Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Welcome back to Big Brave Business. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm good. It's so fun to have you ring in an episode. I feel like I always do that whole announcement. Well, you're so good at it. (laughs) You're good at it too. And I like your voice. (laughs) Oh, well, thanks friend. I am excited that we are back this week and we are talking about getting rich and what that means and money, 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 which can be such an icky thing. I feel like for so many people, but I'm excited that we're taking the time to talk about it and being open and honest about what that means to us, what it looks like to us. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. Me too. I feel like we've been very transparent on this podcast throughout the history of the show over the past year plus that we both want to make lots of money, but also there's been an evolution, especially for you of like slowing down and being less, maybe like chasing numbers, even though that still resulted in making more money overall, which is like a cool side effect, I guess. And um, yeah, I just feel like there's no secret that you and I both are at least partially money driven in our business. And I actually heard, I heard a client say, um, on a recording that he had me review yesterday, that the point of business is to make a profit. What do you think about that statement? The point of business is to make a profit. I think that's true. I think that's true. I am very money motivated. Y'all know me by now. I'm naturally a skeptic when anytime someone comes to me and says, I want to start a business to help people. I'm like, really? You're going to lose sleep. You're going to lose time away from your family and your life, and you're going to start a business under the whole guise that your only focus is helping people. We'll go start a nonprofit. Don't start a business. Or volunteer. Yeah. I think that is a conversation I have about starting podcasts a lot too, because I'll ask people, what is your goal with your podcast? Why are you starting a podcast? And people will say they want to help people. Same same kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, why do you need to record a conversation and put it on the internet to help people? You can do that without doing that. So why a podcast and I feel much the same about business. So why a business, right? Obviously there is also a part of wanting to be able to make money doing that. And I too want to help people. (laughs) That does matter to me, but um, yeah, there's so many ways to help people and you can help people in your business, but what makes it a business is making money for sure. Yeah, absolutely. When I did my very first virtual assistant interview, someone asked me, what's like, why do you want to do this work? And my first response was, I want to make as much money as possible and I don't want to be capped. I want to decide how much money I make based on the labor that I am willing to dedicate to it. Because to me, the hardest part, or not the hardest part, but one of the hardest parts of working in corporate was that I felt like there was no equivalent compensation for the amount of work I was doing. It's like, this is your flat fee. Like whatever you're doing, this is it. 
And I was like, I don't like this. I feel like I'm giving more than I'm getting paid for. If I go above and beyond, I'm still making the same as the person in the cubicle next to me who's not going above and beyond. You know, I'm trying so hard to be like the best employee ever. And I don't think that shows up on a paycheck where this job, it really does. Like however much effort I put in is what I get paid. And I, um, I feel like people that get into a business for, to make themselves feel like they're doing good in the world is great. Like good for you. But I don't also see that as success either. I don't think that's, I don't know. I don't feel like that correlates for me. I have a question for you. I want to hear what you think. It's kind of a multi-part question. Do you want to be rich? And also, do you consider yourself rich? Of course, I would love to be rich. I do not consider myself to be rich. I consider myself to be successful. I don't think I've reached like the pinnacle of rich. Rich to me is like, I don't have to work anymore. I have people working for me. That to me is like the definition of rich to the point where I operate on a schedule that is mine. Right now, I work on other people's schedules. A hundred percent. I wake up at a time that is, that is convenient for others. I work at a pace that is convenient for others. And, um, so no, but I do consider myself to be very successful and I'm very comfortable, but from a financial standpoint and from a lifestyle standpoint, I am not rich. I'll, I'll ask you, what about you? What do you feel? Yeah, it's interesting. I think like my gut says no, like my initial answer is no. But if I really think about like rich and what that means to me, then I think actually maybe my answer is kind of yes. I'm definitely not wealthy. I definitely have more that I want and more that I'm working towards, right? I have debt that I would love to be debt-free. I have things that are not currently in our budget that I wish were in our budget without making other compromises. I don't want to use the phrase like we can't afford it because I think being able to afford things where we are right now is really choices. It's that we'd have to sacrifice something else in order to afford whatever that, you know, you have priorities, but definitely we have, I would say we have not only enough, but we have more than enough. I live in a a generous sized house for just me and Eric, because originally we had teenage kids here and they have all moved out as young adults. I have more than enough when it comes to like, I can pay my bills. I can get whatever I want at the grocery store. I can, you know, I have to manage my money and I have to manage my dollars, but like we definitely have more than enough. And I would say in general, like I live a very rich life as far as it's full, it's full of all of the things and the people and, and the activities that I love. And that feels rich quote unquote, but not wealthy, if that makes sense. No. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I think I don't notice it because my life is very isolated um, by choice and I don't engage with a lot of other, like my, my core group is very small by choice. And so I don't think I realize how I hate to use the word blessed because blessed to me insinuates I didn't work for it. It's another reason I don't like to use the word lucky Like, I feel very lucky. I hate to say that because no, (laughs) it's kind of like I told you when I hit my, I set a figure for this past year. And when I surpassed it, I was proud, but I also wasn't surprised because I worked my tail off. You know, I have put in so much effort and I feel like to me, it was like, yeah, go figure. Of course I did it. 
Of course I did, you know, because I've worked my tail off. And so I don't like to use the word blessed. I don't like to use the word lucky. I just like to like thankful. I'm just very thankful for what I have. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm grateful that I have the motivation to put in the days and the work and the time to make it happen. I'm very grateful that I have clients that continue to come back month after month and have been like, do me well so that I can do them well so that I can be better, you know, who actually care about my success. I'm very grateful for that. I know a lot of people don't have that. I don't think I realize it until I go home or I am like back in my small town and I spend time with people in that small town. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I get it. I get that I'm lucky. I get, I get that I'm blessed for lack of a better word. I have a lot to be grateful for because there are a lot of people who rather weren't given opportunities or the motivation or the mindset to do what I have done. And that's really, that's to me where I'm like, I feel like I'm wealthy in that way that I have had the opportunity And the motivation to take the opportunity, if that makes sense. Sometimes I have conversations with people back home and I know that they can't afford to get a coffee on the way to work, but they're also working a full-time job. You know what I mean? And that, that to me was me five years ago. Like it's money was to the penny, very tight. Now I have a lot of flexibility in my budget to be able to afford things when I need them. And that to me is wealthy in the sense of like there are 90% of America right now can't say that, you know? So maybe on a societal level, I am quote unquote wealthy, but I definitely wouldn't explain, like wouldn't say that I'm rich. Definitely wouldn't say that. From the outside looking in, and obviously I don't know your like personal finances, but the way that I define things, I would say like we both definitely have privilege and I would say like you're well off. You and Drew are doing very well for yourselves, right? But I wouldn't classify you as wealthy in the way that I think about wealth as far as like 99% versus 1%. Like y'all are not billionaires. No, no. We got bills, um, baby. We got bills over here. (laughs) So I think there's just like a really huge wealth gap that I, so I'm interested to also ask you, what do you think about like this idea of get rich quick? Do you think that get rich quick as a concept really exists and why do you think there's so much kind of marketing out there selling things to get rich quick I don't think it's a new thing I think get rich quick schemes have been around forever like forever and I think they always will be unfortunately I don't fault anyone for being interested in get rich quick schemes but I would be cautious of them I think I try to tell people And I don't want to get specific about industries because I could name a few examples of what I consider a get rich quick scheme. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say get rich quick scheme. (laughs) There are so many examples I could give of what I consider that to be. What I would say is they're not sustainable. Whatever it is that you have gotten into you, I'm not going to tell you that you might not make a little bit of like make some money and you know, but I also would say, take a step back and look at this is just an example. This is not, I'm not inferring on anybody. Okay. So don't come for me. But if you take a look at any successful multi-level marketing company over the years, for instance, this is again, just an example. I'm scared people are going to get mad at me. 10 years ago, I knew 
hundreds of people, maybe not hundreds, but tens of people who were selling Young Living essential oils. And I knew a girl who was a woman who was very high up in the company and she drove a very nice car. She had a very nice house. She retired her husband. And since that has happened, since that happened, and I've known her, this has been now 10 years ago. Um, and she and I were the same age, you know, and she was like, you should get in on this. And I'm like, I'm not in sales. Like, I'm still not. That's just not my vibe. Her husband is now back at work. She is now a school teacher because it's not sustainable. This like flash in the pan. I was listening to something just yesterday about how the Stanley cups that everybody are fighting each other over at Walmart are out now. Like there's a new cup in town, baby. And um, it's just whatever the trend is will pass, will pass. But you know what hasn't changed? You know what hasn't faltered is hard work. Hard work pays off every single time. I have never taken on something and not been rewarded for hard work, you know? And um, yeah, I just think that it's going to happen forever. It's going to be a situation where more of these things are going to pop up is specifically because of social media. And um, they're just, uh, to me, in my opinion, not sustainable. It's so interesting because I definitely have put in hard work and not been rewarded for it. And a great example of that is getting laid off. My job being eliminated. I worked really hard. I less than six months prior to getting laid off. I um, got a promotion and a raise. Um, I definitely was contributing value. The company that I worked for, the the people who run that company actually are still clients of mine. We're on very good terms. We have a very good relationship. Um, but I, I mean, my husband was working part-time at a movie theater and in grad school, and it was a month before Christmas that my job ended and I had three kids at home and, and, you know, they knew those things. Right. And it was the right decision for their business in the moment. That's the decision. They just decided to go the direction they decided to go was eliminating kind of like the initiatives that I was running. And that is absolutely their, you know, they have the right to make those decisions. One thing that I took really hard about that was no matter how hard I worked or how many hours I put in or how much blood, sweat, and tears I gave that job, no matter how smart, experienced, talented, whatever, my job was still eliminated and it was still subject to somebody deciding to stop paying me. And that affected my whole family. And I took that really, really hard. And I took that really personally. And as an Enneagram three, especially take your shot. If you are, if you've been here long enough to know that Sarah used to mention being an Enneagram three on every single episode, here we are. But I, um, you know, I define myself by my work and my accomplishments and that was really, really hard. And I think it's important to address that because I think there are, if, if you look at like society, I think the people who work the hardest usually make the least money. So the people who are working these um, really labor intensive jobs, who are caretakers, who are working the most hours, who are, they're often making minimum wage. They don't have good benefits. They don't. And the people who make the most money work the least. So the Jeff Bezos and those kind of things. So I do think that hard work can pay off. And I'm not trying to say it never does, of course, right? And certainly you've worked really, really hard in your business and it has paid off. And I definitely acknowledge how much work and effort you put into your business. But I do think there's definitely a lot of examples of people working hard and that not necessarily being enough. And I liked what you said earlier about it's opportunity 
and also motivation to take the opportunity when it's available, that those are two, two things separately. You need to have the opportunity available to you. And then also you need to be in a position to take it when it comes along. So I think like both of those are reasons why, you know, different people might have different levels of privilege and you can look at opportunity all different ways, but kind of coming back to the get rich quick thing. I think that, um, People working hard and feeling like they can't get ahead is, I think, the reason why Get Rich Quick continues to prevail. And I think that like, it's a marketing tactic. I think that people are desperate to feel less pain. I think that they, we all just want to get by and we want to believe in kind of this concept or like American dream type thing where we too could one day have everything to us that we need. We too could one day be like living in the lap of luxury or not even necessarily like in the lap of luxury, but at least having enough. Um, I think, and I want to come back to this idea of enough, but I think that to your point, sustainability is really important. And I also think what kind of work it is to upkeep because it's one thing to, for example, have a video go viral. Like there's lots of people who coach on how to do that, right? Just as a random example, I'm sorry if that feels out of left field, but to have a video go viral. But let's say you have a video go viral and you make physical products like Stanley, for example, then what? Do you have the infrastructure in place to handle that uh, influx of of traffic and a lot of people don't. So even if you do, so just using that as one example, right? In all capacities of our lives, if there's something that could bring you into money immediately, then what does that take to keep up or could bring you into opportunity immediately? What does that take to keep up? I think that's really important to consider. And a lot of people don't think about that. And you have pointed that out, even about things like memberships where, do you realize how much mm-hmm. extra stuff goes into maintaining that and managing that, especially if you're envisioning it at this really high performing level with tons and tons of members and it blows up and it takes off and there's hundreds or thousands of people in your membership. Do you even realize what it would take to run a membership at that capacity? Absolutely. The There are so many people that I've seen rather on TikTok or Instagram and they're like, oh, I had a video go viral for my t-shirt company and I wasn't ready. This is what I would do if I could do it differently next time. And it's like, have more inventory, like have boxes to actually ship out this stuff. You know, it, it, there is a lot to be said for that. I am very curious. What do you think about the saying it's too good to be true? Mm. Do you find that to be true? Sometimes. I think that where there's smoke, there's fire. And by that, I mean, I I really believe in trusting your gut. I think that we're conditioned not to listen to the cues that are in our own bodies about what is and isn't safe and um, to turn that off in order to follow a system or to kind of fall in line or whatever Um, that could get really deep. But I think we're conditioned to not listen to those cues. But we do all have an inherent sense of intuition and understanding that if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. With that being said, we can also blow up a good thing by assuming that, you know, becoming self-deprecating or or pu- pushing into a, a damaging like spiral where we ruin something that's good. Like, for example, I know both me and Eric, when we started our relationship and as it kind of its early stages 
first year or two, both of us really had this feeling of waiting for the other foot to drop. Like this Ooh, seems too easy. Girl, you, you preach into the choir over here. That was me and Drew too. Yeah. <laughs> it seems too easy. It seems too good. When is something going to blow up about this? And for us, like eight years in now, I think we both feel pretty secure for the most part that like there is no other foot. This is really, we know this other person. We know each other so, so well. We trust each other so, so well. And it's not that either of us is a perfect person, but we really love who that other person is. And I think, so using that as an example of like, sometimes we try to, if something seems good or easy, sometimes we self-sabotage and and thankfully (laughs) in this case of me and Eric we did not self-sabotage because we're still together today but I think so yeah I think sometimes if something seems too good to be true and you know that you should trust yourself and just be cautious but sometimes also I think it can lead to self-sabotage what do you think about too good to be true a hundred percent on the same page. Um, I, I had to go to a lot of therapy when I met Drew because I will never, free- and I get this from my upbringing. I have no problem telling anybody. My mom instilled this crap into me. I have told her this. Um, when I called and told her that I had met my husband, I was like, I am obsessed with him. Like he's the nicest person I have ever met. I cannot believe that like this guy exists. It's everything I've ever wanted. I go on and on about how great he is. And my mom goes, well, just, you know, just wait, you know, don't, don't get too in too far. Wait for that other shoe to drop. And that was exactly what she said to me. And I went back to Drew and I quoted it back to him. And I was like, he's like, where did you hear that from? Like, where did that idea even come from? Like, we're great. What are you talking about? My mom, I'm like, I'm like, you have ruined my mindset when it comes to good things, because I have never had any reason to doubt or not trust my husband, but I literally was like convinced he was a serial killer. I'm not even joking. Like I had to go to therapy to deal with that mindset. So you can, you can totally self-sabotage a really great thing. It's only because he's so patient and sweet that we're still together because I was a nightmare. Okay. Um, Now in relation to business. I think it's like, watch for the red flags. And when you see the red flags, um, Steve Harvey made this comment. I think I've actually shared it on the show before, but I tell myself it all the time when it comes to business and in personal life. Um, Don't make it a hobby to collect red flags. Like I'm not here just to like see the red flags and keep collecting them and, you know, holding them inside. No, when you see them, pay attention to them. It where's the proof? Like, give me the proof that this business idea is successful, sustainable. I mean, heck, I've had people tell me before that virtual assisting is not going to be a stable career. And I'm like, well, tell that to my wait list. I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? Like the proof is in my pudding over here. I don't know what to tell you. My dad, my dad, because the ultimate goal is to sell PodFox, right? My dad, pretty much every time we talk, he asks me, so he lives 3000 miles over me, but he asks me how business is going. And he's an entrepreneur at heart too, but um, he's had some varying levels of success with various businesses. And he always asks me how it's going, tells me he's proud, but he also always mentions something that he's heard about podcasting. And he'll say, the time to sell is now, Sarah, you need to sell this business. I'm just worried it's going to pass and then it's going to be too late. I'm like, dad, podcasting has been around for 20 years at this point it's not like yeah it, it's going to change it's going to evolve but I can change and evolve too Podfox can change and evolve too like it's going to be okay I'm not scared please don't make me scared 
please don't put that in my head. This is going yeah. great. It's a good thing. Like we love this. We're just we're gonna grow and evolve with businesses have to grow and evolve as their industry changes. That's okay. But yeah, anyways, he does he does the same thing your mom did with your marriage. Like, oh my god. I'm like, could you please business. not? Like, could you please not? I have enough negative. I'm like, I'm an enneagram six. I have enough whirling around in my brain. I do not need you. I do not need you. I'm like, I am worrying enough for everybody. I promise to God. Okay. I promise you. So I love you so much. Oh my gosh. Can we I love you. Circle back one last major. Well, actually, I really have two more things I want to ask okay, you. Okay. Hit me. One is what is enough? In your opinion, like what does enough look like? Do you feel like you have enough? And what is enough? What would enough look like in your life? Because I think this is different for everyone. Hmm. What Sorry, is enough? <laughs> no, it's not. It's like, how do I really, I really am curious to like myself, what would be enough? I have big lofty goals for me. I don't think I'm done. I think I, I told my husband this. He is at this stage. He's 10 years older than I am. And he is a big go-getter. And we really push each other when it comes to our income goals. We're both, we were raised both very poor in small towns. And we really wanted to get out of that together and do it together and build something together. And so we really pushed each other to hit large income goals. And I've been shared on the show about the fact that we have a shared income goal. And he's 10 years older than I am. And he is very much so, he just told me this just this past week as we were moving in that he feels like he's capped. Like he's hit, he's hit the the top of what he's going to make unless he like invents something. He's at the top of his company. He makes great money. He's worked his way up. He's busted his butt for years as like an on the road sales guy. And now he's in the office and he's like doing the thing, right? He has hit that pinnacle and he thinks he's done. And I'm still not at that point where I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I've hit what I can hit. I think I'll have more of a reasonable goal and like mindset on that at the end of this year, because last year was such a momentous year for me of growth. So be very curious to see what this year holds. But in terms of what is enough, I mean, I could make what I make now and that I could live on that. Right. But I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable not growing and I'm not comfortable not staying like me. I'm, I know this is going to sound woo woo, but I am not comfortable as a, like in my body, it doesn't feel comfortable to say I'm done. Like this is all that I'll ever make. I'm not comfortable saying this job that I have now, this company, this business that I've started is all I'll have for now. And that to me tells me that it's not enough. So more than what I'm doing now, for sure. That feels more comfortable saying. However, if I like, I don't know, got hit by a bus tomorrow and this is all that I did, I would be very proud of that, right? From a financial standpoint, I would love, love to make more money. So I think I'm a six-figure earner now. I would love to be a multiple six-figure earner, but a lot of something would have to happen for that to happen. I feel like in the current role that I have, I'm pretty comfortable saying I will continue to be a six-figure earner, but at multiple six figures, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Does that answer the question? I feel like I've circled Yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I mean, it's personal. I think for me, I do feel like we have enough. I feel like we have more than enough most of the time, but I am a person who wants to seek growth all the time. I would never be happy not growing. And growth looks like a lot of different things, right? Like growing personally, stretching myself, trying new things, learning new things, growing new skills, also growing income, growing 
assets, growing life experiences. Like I want to have more. And I think for myself personally, it's been this journey of like, it's okay to always be pursuing more and to always be pursuing growth as long as I don't fall into a shame spiral about what I don't have, because I really do have enough and I love my life and it's a beautiful life. And if this if this was, I mean, this is sustainable for me, right? Like, so I think sustainability for me is a big part of it being enough. Is it sustainable? Mm -hmm. Because if you hit it, but you can't keep it, that's not enough. Also paying bills is a big part of it for me. Can we pay our bills? Can we like afford our living expenses in a lifestyle that we want to live? Um, And that's a mixed bag, right? Because there's things like housing market is totally changing and, and fluctuating, especially in our area and with what moves we want to make, like our ideal housing situation does not exist. So that is frustrating. Um, So we have to settle in certain ways, but it's also like, that's just life. I don't know how to kind of explain this, but as long as I don't fall into the shame spiral about what I don't have, I feel like it's okay to constantly be pursuing growth because really we do have enough. We're always going to have a roof over our heads. We're always going to be able to afford our bills. We're going to be able to figure things out. I'm not worried that this isn't sustainable. Um, We can handle what comes our way. Um, Obviously there are things that could happen that would be catastrophic um, personally and um, financially, but like, that's true for almost everyone. Right? Like, I think saying that in order to have enough, that there's nothing that could financially devastate you is just like a false sense of. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I, I mean, like if something happened to Drew tomorrow, it would be devastating. I mean, we don't, and I will also say this too, is that we're not at a spot where we could either, either one of us be like, okay, I'm going to take a month off of work. Like while we, we probably could, do that we would be like going into debt like we are on top of our we don't have any debt now knock on wood but we easily could if I mean I'll say this we don't have credit card debt and of course we'd have been like paid off our house or our cars. I was thinking that I was like I don't Girl, want to no. put you on the spot and be like so you no, bought you that house in cash um, could you That's imagine amazing. can I tell you something if I bought my house just so that the listeners and Sarah so anybody that's listening to the sound of my voice if I ever buy a house in cash everyone will know I will tell everyone I will tell you all and I will tell you how much I paid for it and I'll tell you what denomination of bills okay <laughs> I will be so proud no. So we have debt in the terms of like house okay, and cars, okay. but like we don't have like credit card debt or you. You know, neither one of us have school debt, which is a big thing, which I know I like I have friends that are in like major school debt yeah. and I and I hate that for them. Um, so in saying that we could take the time off if we needed to, but we both have to work. You know what I'm saying? It would be like, it would be a major adjustment to our lifestyle if either one of us was like, I think I'm going to retire. It would be, it would be interesting for sure. But I will also say this too, is just like a closing note that while you are listening to this and you're not where you want to be financially, or maybe you are the, and you mentioned this, the best thing that I can give in terms of advice from someone who has been absolutely dirt poor working three jobs and not being able to buy your dog, dog food and like, your electricity is going to get cut off tomorrow less than five years ago. That was me before I met my husband, before I got a good job, before I started my business. Um, And I will also mention that I did not get out of that because I got married. I did it by myself. Thank you very much. But I will say, if you find yourself in that situation, 
look around you and be grateful. Whether you're broke or you're what you consider yourself to be wealthy, take the time to like read the room, whether you're in, like I was a one bedroom apartment in a not so great neighborhood, just trying to make do. There are a lot of people that don't have that. A lot of people that don't even have that, right? And then take a look around at what you have when you're at your, what you consider to be like, I feel like I am right now, the best I've ever been and be extremely in the moment, be in the moment of where you are, whether it's good or bad, because if you're not in what you consider to be a good situation, it will get better. It will get better. And you will look back on those moments as sweet moments. I know that's hard to believe, but Drew and I did it this whole entire week where he was like, I remember when I had just enough to get a sausage biscuit in the morning and he would buy two of them for a dollar and he would eat one for breakfast and one for dinner. And that's what he would have because he was broke as a joke before we met. I was also broke as a joke and struggling. And um, I just think I look back on those times and I'm like, oh, if I could just give that girl a hug and tell her you're going to get yourself out of this. You're going to work really hard and you're going to have opportunities and you're going to seize them when they come to your doorstep and you'll look back on that apartment. And I drive past it all the time. And I'm like, that's really kind of sweet. Like, look how far, you know? And now we have a beautiful home that we're so proud of. And it's just so surreal. We genuinely said to each other this morning, Drew told me, he was like, I feel like we're in an Airbnb that's not ours. And I was like, I know. And it's because it's just, it's a bittersweet feeling. So whether, wherever you find yourself, like I was working from my living room table, dining room table for the past three years until yesterday. Okay. I look back at it now and I'm like, it's kind of sweet. And my business started there and now look, I've got an office, you know, we're all in a process of growth and be present in the moment of where you're at, because believe it or not, you will look back on it good or bad. And you'll be so grateful for where you are. I really truly do hope and believe that for everybody. I think so too. And I would say my kind of getting rich advice is I really just want to take the moment to acknowledge that this is part of why I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship and especially being like a service provider, virtual assisting, things like that. Why I think this is so, so important, potentially a podcast, because having multiple streams of income in entrepreneurial ways is so critical because that really does help us all build wealth and to build stability, security, opportunity for ourselves. And I think back to when I lost my job and it affected my family as deeply as I was talking about earlier. Um, And if I had had something entrepreneurial on the side that was bringing in even some income, how that would have hurt so significantly less. And I just feel like I can't stress it enough. I know like people will often say in entrepreneurship, oh, entrepreneurship's not for everybody. And I'm like, no, I actually disagree. I think entrepreneurship is essential for everybody. And I think that entrepreneurship can look like different things for different people. We don't all have to do the same thing. Like virtual assisting is not for everybody. Podcasting is not for everybody. But I think that some form of of bringing in additional money that you're in charge of and responsible for, like you were saying about being the one who, who is responsible for how much work you put out and how much money you're making, 
some capacity of that I think is actually critical for building wealth. So I think if you're looking to get rich now, if you're looking to get rich quick, that's the best thing I can say is like thinking about how to have things to monetize on the side or in additional streams of revenue that are entrepreneurial and just always having that entrepreneurial hat on of like, what else could I be starting? Because I think the people who are building wealth for themselves from all backgrounds, all walks of life, et cetera, that's how they see the world. So that's my like biggest piece of get rich quick advice. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. I will also say that I, throughout my journey of being broke as a joke and not being broke as a joke now, I and my husband says the same thing. If, If he or I lost our jobs tomorrow, we would go get another job doing anything, anything. And when I was, before I started my business, I think it's easy and intimidating for people to be, I think it's easy to be intimidated when people say, go get an additional stream of of income. That does not mean you have to be an entrepreneur in the sense of starting a business. It doesn't mean you have to have a digital product. It could mean that you go uh, walk dogs in your neighborhood or deliver pizzas or you uh, babysit people in your neighborhood. All of those are things that I did on top of my full-time, two full-time jobs that I had Mm -hmm. to bring in additional streams of income. It does not mean that you have to start doing something online or become a service provider as the sense of like Sarah and I do. It can literally be something as simple as you offer a service to people in person, like babysitting children or like I did delivering pizzas. Like you can do anything that you can put your mind to, to bring in additional streams of income. And I will also say those jobs that I did, not only were they great for my character, but they also, again, linked me to people that eventually came back up in my life. I have I have babysat children before that I've come back and worked with their parents who actually did have businesses and like years down the road. So don't think that it has to be something as complicated as what Sarah and I do. It could be something as simple as getting out there and getting a side hustle. So I think this episode has been really fun. I've loved chatting with you about income. I think some of the most commented on and listened to episodes are the ones that we do that revolve around money. So please reach out to us on Instagram. Uh, We're at Big Brave Business. I'm at Amanda Nelson Reads and Sarah is at Sarah K. Heater. And let us know your thoughts. Like let us know, are we like really far off base or do you agree, disagree? And we would love to hear more about your journey and your story and how you've got to where you've got gotten and where you're hoping to be. Just last week, we did an episode that was about connecting people and we want to connect with you. So make sure you find us. We're also on YouTube at Big Brave Business and we would love to chit chat with you soon. So we'll see you next week. Bye.